You're listening to Back Into the Fire. Old school wrestling fans shooting on the greatest wrestling organization in the world, the National Wrestling Alliance. On this episode, we talk about recent news from the National Wrestling Alliance, including rumors that power might be starting back up again. We cover recent episodes of Primetime Live on the United Wrestling Network, and another NWA title changes hands. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Back Into the Fire podcast. My name is Joey Till. I'm joined here by my co-host, Mr. Andy Hayworth. Hello, sir. And we're discussing old school NWA wrestling, wrestling the way it should be. On this week's show, we're going to be looking at uh, UWN episodes number five and six. Well, I tell you, there's been some rumblings in the NWA a little bit over the last few weeks. I, I guess the biggest one uh, was that Billy Corgan himself posted something on Twitter near the end of September saying that he plans to bring power back. I mean, that's good news, I guess. I, you know, I guess the main thing about about this whole situation is that he says that he wants to do this, but I don't really see a plan in place, you know? Mm, yeah. And who's going to be producing the show? I mean, is it going to be, would Maureen do it? I mean, I don't know if she's a producer. I, I don't see Billy doing it. We need a Dave Lagana is what we need here. Yeah. So where do you get someone like that, that knows a wrestling business? I don't know. Um, it's crazy though, because all the other wrestling promotions have, have, you know, have moved forward in, in their own ways. Um, right. And, you know, from the from the outset of this thing, uh, Billy Corgan has always said, well, you know, we can't do NWA wrestling without the live crowd. But clearly you can because they've been doing it on UWN. So oh, yeah. In, in his little Twitter message, he just said that they're talking about bringing back power very soon, even if it means they can't have fans in the stands. Uh, and he references Tim Storm, you know, they, that Tim Storm is on board and that he's sort of going to lead them through this. And he's just telling the fans basically to hang in there. You know, that's his direct quote, hang in there. So I think that we've been hanging for a little while. But. Yeah. And they've obviously lost a lot of momentum. I guess all their momentum and some of their biggest stars have left, too. So they they're definitely struggling here. And uh, yeah, I don't know this. This. I don't know if they're going to be able to right this ship or not and get it going in the right direction. I mean, when you have a guy like Eddie Kingston, who was, they really weren't using him very well in the NWA. And no. he up he up and goes to AEW and shoots straight to the top, essentially, there. Oh, man, his promo game is incredible over there. Um, she had good promos in the NWA, too. He just didn't seem quite as intense. Um over at AEW, he's going to be wrestling their world champion, you know, John Absolutely. Moxley. Yeah, I mean, main I mean, event at their next pay-per-view, right? I mean, you go from being this tag team guy in the NWA to just shooting right to the top. And, you know, Ricky Starks was another guy that got pulled over there. Right. We talked about that ad nauseum. But, and, and other things have sprung up in, in the meantime, you know, like life hasn't stopped because of, of COVID-19. Um, you know, Thunder Rosa has her own promotion that she's started in the, in the meantime. So, yeah, it's, 
I mean, if, you know, if you can't do it with the resources that Billy Corgan has, you have to wonder, like, is it just, I think you mentioned it at one point, is it just a hobby for him or just a little right. you know, doodad for him to play with every now and then, you know? Yeah, I really think that, um, you know, it's either he's serious about getting this promotion going or not. I mean, I do think losing Lagana set them back a lot. So, yeah. Um, so that's going to be tough to recover from for sure. Well, and speaking of wrestlers who've left the organization, you know, we were talking on our last episode wondering where Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer were. Well, we now know that Royce Isaacs is just not in part of the NWA anymore. And he's um, apparently he, he asked for his release and he got it. And he's going to be partnering with, with an old partner of his, Joral Nelson. So, so he's done with it too. Royce is gone. Um, this is a shame. I, I mean, I like him and and Latimer as a tag team, the Wild Cards, um, and they were part. You know, he was obviously part of the um, the group there with uh, all yeah, this strictly business. Yeah, that's strictly right. Business. So there's an opening in strictly business, I guess. <laughs> there, there might be more openings by the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and speaking of Nick Aldis, the only other little piece of news I really had here was that there's been an announcement that on December 10th, he's going to be wrestling Brian Pillman Jr. in Grimsley, Tennessee for 127 Pro Wrestling um, and defending his title. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds, that doesn't sound good. I, I don't know. That sounds <laughs> bad for, that's not, hopefully they're paying him a lot, you know? Yeah. Why Grimsley, Tennessee? Why Brian Pillman Jr.? Who's certainly not his father. Um, Brian Pillman Jr.'s been featured on AEW a little bit, but strictly as a as a jobber, you know. Um, well, somehow they they attracted him there. At least you know it's on Twitter. Of course, you can't believe everything you read on Twitter, but. I really couldn't find a lot about this 127 pro wrestling promotion. Their website was down last I looked and they had a Facebook presence. I know that they were claiming to have new Jack come in for their Halloween show, which sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> in and of itself. Terrifying. <laughs> it's the place to go to, you know, catch hepatitis or something like that. Oh my so gosh. anyway, I mean, that's all I've heard. And I think you had a note about, uh, some NWA stuff that you had heard, maybe James Storm, perhaps. Right. Well, James Storm appeared in an Impact event in a Battle Royal, I believe. Okay. Now, I'm not sure if this is a one-off type thing or if he's going to be on Impact now. I haven't heard any sort of official word that he's signed with Impact, but he was there. And, you know, as you know, he was on UWN a few weeks ago and Right. He was on uh, episode five of uh, Primetime Live in a yep. three-way match, actually. Yeah. Exactly. So, I don't know. We'll see. These these uh, NWA wrestlers are just scattering into the breeze, so to speak. Well, I think you've said it before on here, too. I mean, clearly, if, um, if they expect to... Uh, carry on with the NWA in some form. It's it's going to probably be a complete shakedown and, and rebuild from, from the ground up. Maybe you still have Nick Aldis and uh, Tim Storm and uh, maybe a few other folks at familiar faces, but hell, everybody else seems to have, have, have gone their own way at this point. Yeah, 
Absolutely. It's it's going to be a completely different show when it comes back on, if it comes back. Yeah. Well, speaking of James Storm, let's let's talk about United Wrestling Network Primetime Live Episode 5. There was not a lot of NWA connection in this episode whatsoever, so I don't even know what you want to mention about it, really, but there were quite a, you know, there were some interesting matches. It was good wrestling overall, I thought. Just not a lot of folks that, that we that we know in there. Right. We had uh, an opening bout with a guy named Chris Connors, uh, Danny Limelight. Mm-hmm. Kind of smaller, quicker, old school style wrestlers. They mentioned they go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I think everybody does at some point. Seems like all wrestling leads back to New Japan somehow. Yeah. So that must be the place to go to get your to get your uh, feet wet in the wrestling business, I suppose. I don't know. It was an all right match. Uh, Connors went yeah. over in that match, and uh, it's a good way to start. Good little match. Uh, we had a we had a promo where we were introduced to Fred Rosser and Chris Masters, and uh, mm. oh, here's James Storm who who comes out and he's drinking a beer. Mm, imagine that. Uh, this was an interesting little thing because we had just on our previous show, I think, talked about, you know, we were wondering where James Storm was. And then, you know, here, like not even a day later, hardly after we made that recording, you know, there he is. So I guess that answered our questions, at least for the time being. Drinking his beer, gets his beer knocked out, spilt on the floor. He gets mad at Chris Masters and uh, sets up that three-way. That's right. But before the three-way match, uh, we have Heather Monroe and Elena Black. Ladies match here. Pretty pretty typical ladies match, I felt like. Yeah, Hollywood Heather with her uh, flamboyant, uh, what would you call it, manager or valet, valet. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Austin body. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I she's like what, known as the queen of, championship wrestling from Hollywood. So I guess she's their major sort of star. And of course she won that match with a, with a finisher that looks suspiciously like Thunder Rosa's. Yeah. But she has several of those, I think. Yeah. Chris Dickinson, who seems to be the, the man that is getting the real push over here at UWN. He had a little promo on here. I think it's probably one of the better ones we saw on this particular episode. Yeah. He's the, he's the guy. He's the, um, He's the guy getting the push in UWN, and he's got the best promos. I'll give him that. I mean, he he looks like a serious wrestler, so it's it's good to see him work. Uh, every one of his matches he's had so far has been very entertaining, and uh, you know I think he's probably their guy right now, to be honest. Oh yeah. The next match: Stephen Tresario versus Hammerstone. I didn't really get this one, but uh, I didn't. You know, anybody that comes out with a diary, I have to wonder what that <laughs> or whatever that little book is. I just I don't understand that that gimmick. But yeah, I didn't either. There's no explanation of it really. And I, I snapping his fingers, you know, is, is it a tick or something? I don't I don't understand it. Um, but it didn't help him. No, it it really didn't. Uh, he he got he got dominated in that one by Hammerstone. Like we all uh, assumed he probably would. Meat Mountain. Meat Mountain. That's terrible. <laughs> it's the new sandwich at Arby's. Yeah, it is. Like, what is the preoccupation with, like, meat products <laughs> over here at UWN? I mean, they had this is the tag team Meat Candy. and Meat uh, Candy? 
Yeah. They need to That's have like name, right? Brutus Meat Candy? Beefcake come in and... Uh, I, I, some of these matches are really tough to get into. They really are. <laughs> was excited to see James Storm, but he was in this three-way match with Rosser and Masters. And yeah. this wasn't the best I've seen James Storm for sure. No, he was pretty much stove up throughout this entire match. Uh, yeah. He gets knocked outside of the ring and, and just basically sells himself on the floor being a stumbling drunk for a majority of the match it seemed like while masters and ross are kind of competed in the ring so it was really almost their match uh and james storm was just there almost just as for whatever consequential reason but uh yeah no it wasn't good and, and it's the problem that i've always found with any three-way matches there's always oh, yeah. going to be one guy hiding in a christmas tree or something or hiding under the mat or, or yeah or he suddenly disappears and you go, where did that guy go so not my favorite type of match for sure did we ever see a three-way match in the 80s i don't ever remember no they, they weren't very prevalent at all so i don't know why we see so many of those things now uh who won that fred rosser actually rosser i think beat yeah. masters yeah, yeah, that that was that was a weird match for sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, in the final match, um, well, I guess before that, uh, Dave Marquez announces an eight-man tournament. I guess to decide right. their world champion. So we'll talk a little bit more about that sort of in in our next segment because there's more detail in the next episode on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, their television title guy, Dan Joseph. Uh, went up against a Dom Kubrick. Yeah. I don't know if he's related to Stanley Kubrick or uh, not. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> Never know. Dom. Dom I think I described in a, in a previous episode, or maybe I meant to, but this Dan Joseph guy reminds me of the uh, annoying guy Melvin from the movie War Games. I don't know if you remember <laughs> the, the Mr. Potato Head guy. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I think you have a better had a better uh, description on this guy, but. If Gilligan took steroids and PCP is whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, Dan Joseph retains his title uh, with a weird finish on that one. And uh, I, for me, I mean, it was a solid episode, but nothing really stood out that much. Uh, but, uh, you know, these really aren't our guys, though. You know, we're th- these aren't the NWA guys. These are these are no. Hollywood guys and whatnot. So, yeah, we really don't have much background on them. Um, I don't know. Some of them seem decent. Some of them, I just I just don't know. I don't know what yeah. what their purpose is. I I I don't know either. But uh, anyway. I mean, it was a solid episode, and uh, I mean, that leads us right into episode six of Primetime Live, which which in some ways was better and worse. <laughs> yeah, so the first match of this particular episode was Platinum Max Caster versus Jesse James in what the announcers called a, quote, clash of city slicker versus country farm boy. So, <laughs> God. <laughs> Jesse James... He looked badly out of shape. He was, you know, uh-huh. fishy white. You know, he's got that long hair and the porn stash. Very oh, dated yeah. kind of looking dude, you know. yeah. If I grew long hair and had a big porn stash, I'd probably look kind of like him if I tried to wrestle. So that's why I don't wrestle, clearly. But, <laughs> I mean, did you notice Max Caster giving him some ring instruction at, at one point during the mat- match? No, I didn't notice that at all. 
Yeah, he was kind of telling him where he, where he needed to like turn over or flip him around or something. It was Oh, uh, that's the worst. You know, I think he was telling him what what direction he needed to rotate on like a spinning toe hold or something like that. It was, it was weird. That's the problem with these these studioless matches now that we have that you hear everything, you know. It's, yeah, you really do, but yeah, you sure do. Well, you know, according to the announcers though, this was quote top tier pro wrestling so i don't know what they were smoking but i would love to have some of it <laughs> those announcers by the way are just speaking of not being top tier those three guys why do they need three guys on this show to begin with you know the one guy in the middle is okay but the two stooges to the side i mean they're oh they're my terrible. god yeah you're right they they just need one guy to do this yeah that's all they need I don't know if these are Dave Marquez's friends or something and he's just giving them a few dollars. I don't I don't get it. I, I don't know, but I'm, I miss Joe Galley and I never thought I would miss Joe Galley. So, you know, I wrote in my notes here that I was completely bored. This was worse than parking lot wrestling. Um, apparently, this was supposed to be Max Caster versus somebody by the name of Manders. But uh, Mr. Manders was apparently in close contact with someone that might have had COVID. So he wasn't there. So. We had a lame roll-up sort of ending, and in in my opinion, this was probably the most basic wrestling match possible. I don't know how else to say it. I think Max Caster is a talented guy. This other guy looked like he just got out of wrestling camp, honestly. Yeah, this guy was just a total goof. And like, why do a, a why do a gimmick that most people can't even relate to anymore? Like Jesse James, really. Anybody even know who the hell Jesse? I mean, anybody under our age. Well, it's dated even for us, I, I think. And I it mean, really we're is. old Gen Xers, so yeah, it's it's dated even for us. It just seems cheesy, man. I don't know. It would have been cheesy in the eighties, clearly, yeah. and it's yeah. even worse now. You know, so let's talk about the tournament because they talked about the tournament that's coming up okay. here. Uh, this is the. United Wrestling Network World Title Tournament is the official name of this title. And we have Mike Bennett, Peter Avalon, who you might remember from AEW as the librarian. Real scary there. Uh, what I have to say about him. <laughs> Chris Dickinson, Carl Fredericks, Eric Redbeard, former NXT and SmackDown Tag Team Champion. Mm -hmm. Fred Rosser is going to be there. And Davy Boy Smith Jr., son of the <laughs> British Bulldog, who's apparently an NWA and WWE tag team champ. Oh, and uh, Watts is part of this Watts. tournament as well. I never knew that Davy Boy Smith had a son that wrestled. So there you go. Well, you know, where they're putting him in the bracket is a little bizarre because they're the first uh, round of this thing. He has to go up against Mike Bennett. Yeah. My theory is that is that Mike Bennett will go through on his side of the bracket and will eventually face Chris Dickinson, Chris who's Dickinson, on the other yeah. side of the bracket. So if that's the case, they're kind of wasting Davy Boy Smith Jr., but maybe he's just popping in to do a job and, and then popping out, you know? Yeah, I kinda I tend to agree with you. I think it's gonna be Bennett and Dickinson and I'm not sure who they'll who they'll put the belt on. Yeah, I was surprised to see Peter Avalon in the mix here. Uh, he has, I haven't seen him on AEW in a while, honestly, but which is not a bad thing. So, you know. Speaking of horrible gimmicks, they got him on there as the librarian. I mean, 
Yeah. Another. Come on. I don't even know. Do libraries still have books like? I, no, they don't. Paper books. I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. the The best part about his gimmick is his female valet. So. Oh yeah. You're right about that. I mean, I don't know. You know, it should be some interesting matches. Again, none of these are NWA people that are on the current roster. So I'm really having trouble giving a damn about this. But I guess if I had to give a damn, it's going to be for me. I'm going to pick Chris Dickinson to win the whole thing. I think so. I think that's as good as pick as any. Unless they, apparently Mike Bennett's, I guess, uh, well, I tell you about a number of these guys have been in the business for a while. Um, There's a lot of 20-year veterans here. Yeah, Cornette had some nice things to say about Mike Bennett. Apparently, it sounded like Mike Bennett maybe had some injuries or something that kind of kept him down for a while. But, mm-hmm. but apparently, he's he's got a good reputation in the business. And um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I wish I cared more about this thing, like you said. I, well, it's just really hard to. I mean, these aren't, you know, I almost feel like Dave Marquez and the rest of the UWN are just doing the NWA a favor, to be quite honest, hosting some That's of what these it matches. Seems like, right? I mean, I mean, and clearly they are doing us a favor because we wouldn't be seeing these guys any other way. So, I, you know, I commend the UWN on that and yeah. I commend them on their production, that their, their production's high quality. Uh, everything, you know, looks great and the sound is good. Uh, when it works. Yeah. It is, it when, is, yeah. Yeah. It when it works. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's not really up to them to, to, to put these NWA guys over, but they've been letting them have the top spots and all the, all the productions. And so they've been helping the, the NWA out in a big way. I think it's just, um, I don't know what more they could do, honestly, for the NWA. They've done a hell of a lot. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, I bet they're getting some decent, um, decent revenue from having these nwa guys on there people like us buying it because you know we haven't seen them in forever and we don't have power anymore and yeah we want to see some of these people compete before we got to the main event we had to suffer through a couple matches here including miranda alize who defeated Uh christy janes our lady from brazil apparently from brazil for all intents and purposes, was a a really stagey match containing every cliche possible, but there was a really cool moment where Alize put Jane's fingers into the metal turnbuckle and then stepped on them. That was pretty cool. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of like a Marty Skrull kind of move, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of screaming. Um, Jane's had this terrible-looking moonsault off the ropes. and uh, That was the one where she couldn't quite climb up on the ropes right she she missed her footing a little bit and she did the moonsault but hard but barely landed on on her intended target in fact it looked like she mostly missed well they everybody tries to do it and everybody should not be doing them because everybody can't do them well no it's just plain and simple but everybody thinks they have to do a damn moonsault or a flip or what's the damn thing through the ropes called uh, tope suicida. Tope suicida. That's like the worst move ever. Hands down, the worst move ever. Those dives. But this this moonsault really got under my skin only because I've seen so many of them that look just like this, where she comes off, she came off the ropes and hardly landed at all on her target. Her knees, if her knees had actually hit the target, it would have been pretty effective. But her knees hit really far back, and her upper body barely connected with. Uh, yeah. 
Alize, and it, you you saw it, and you thought, well, that was a big goof. And and so many of these moon salts look like that. Even even old uh, Luchasaurus when he does that terrible standing <laughs> backflip moon salt, he barely hits the guy. I mean, it's the worst move ever. Yeah, it's really bad. It's a lot a lot of effort for minimal impact. It's just exactly. garbage. And, and, and these announcers must have a whole chart of of names of these moves now because there were all these Spanish-named moves for very basic finishers, I would say. Um, and I can't remember any of them, but but every wrestler does this now that, you know, like we're going to see in this bit, match with Mike Bennett, he's renamed his pile driver to something, I don't know, what was it, Our Our Lady Full of Pain or something? I it was remember. something ridiculous, yeah. It was a pile driver. Alizé wins the match. And, uh, you know, I didn't mind that match too much, although, I, you know, I'm complaining it about right. it. But it was fine yeah. for what it was. It was fine <laughs> I for mean, what, what it was. I mean, what do you expect? Alizé hit a knee strike for the win on that. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Anyway, uh, the next one was interesting. We had uh, Dave Marquez interviewing Pope. Now, I don't know whether to call him Elijah Burke, the Pope, the Pope, Pope or the Pope. I see it written differently everywhere, but we're going to call him Pope, I guess. But um, that's easiest. Uh, Pope says he doesn't trust Zicky Dice any more than a sixty-year-old man trusts his own farts. So uh, that was a good one. I didn't even pick up that line. Well, I, it was the the look that Marquez gave him was a hundred was gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> And when he started calling him Dicky instead of Zicky, it's like, huh. <laughs> yep, that's right. By by far the five star match of the evening, though, uh, SoCal Distancing versus Friendship Farm. What'd you think of this one? You know my feelings on Friendship Farm, even with Sweet Robin now adequately covered. Oh man, it was it was. Well, honestly, I, I guess it wasn't a bad match. It really it wasn't. was an okay tag it match. Was all right. um, yeah, I will say Friendship Farm are perhaps the most terrifying looking tag team in the history of pro wrestling at the, this particular moment. Um, Gentleman Jervis looks like a character right out of a slasher film with that crazy it, he mask does look, that he wears. He does look like somebody who'd murder you, like just straight up kill you. I mean, absolutely terrifying, this guy. I mean, it, he reminded me of that movie. What was it? The Strangers, I believe it was. Where they oh, all, yeah, where they, yeah. I, know I mean, he yeah. looks like he should be in that. But I'm telling you, man, Sweet Robin Shaw went from having the worst ring gear of anybody in the history of the sport mm-hmm. to suddenly looking like the best guy on the roster at at UWN. So, I mean, kudos to him for, for getting yeah, that Yeah, he looked up. much more threatening this week. Um and, and he did it, good it, work this week, I thought, Yeah, too. it seemed like he went in and kind of played the big guy, you know, well. And, yep. And I don't know if his, his ring gear gave him more confidence to work better or what. But I, I thought he looked pretty decent in there. I thought it was a good match. And unfortunately, these, uh, these SoCal distancing is, yeah. you know, they're the title holders, of course. So they didn't relinquish that. But uh, I thought it was a fun little match. Um I don't like the way it broke. It broke down in the end where nobody knew who was the legal man. Yeah. The referee who I thought was doing a good job for a while kind of lost track of everything. And yeah, for sure. There were just double teams with no tags at all. And it just kind of drove me crazy there. At the end. Yeah. Well, and you're, honest. you're a tag team connoisseur. So you pick up on those things more than I do. Yeah. It was just a mess, man. A pretty decent match of the evening. I thought Mike Bennett defeated 
J.R. Kratos. Is that, did I pronounce that right? Kratos? I believe you did. Yeah. Big guy. Kratos. Yeah. He was, um, he pretty much dominated, uh, Mike Bennett the whole, the whole match, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but Bennett pulled off the win. So, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty solid match, but a little one sided, perhaps. But, yeah, you know, it was decent. I mean, it felt like two, two guys that knew how to wrestle doing their thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good match. It didn't seem to go too long. And um, it's a good big guy match. Nobody doing any crazy moves, just sort of beating up on each other and had a good yeah. classic finishing move there, which, I don't, again, why did they have to rename it? Who knows? But Hail Mary full of pain. That's what that move was called. <laughs> Hail Mary Jesus. full of pain. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, that brings us to the final match, which was an all NWA affair. The Pope went up against Zicky Dice for the NWA TV title, and this one started off pretty damned interesting. I thought it's a weird uh, sneak attack there at the beginning. Um, it's interesting how much Pope sold that that attack, and like seemed like he wouldn't be able to compete at all in that <laughs> match. Um, so yeah, Pope gets thrown through one of these plastic, uh, lunchroom tables and the plastic <laughs> yeah. doesn't break, but all the, all the metallic parts, you know, just, it yeah. turns into a pile of, of metallic tubing, basically. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and he and Dice were like rolling around in these metal, uh, table parts on the ground. I thought that was, that was fun actually, but he definitely got Pearl Harbored. And Zicky Dice, who by this point I just can't stand him. I, I, I used to like Zicky Dice, but they but he's turned you know full asshole at this point. Yeah, and uh, goes on a screed in the ring on the microphone against Billy Corgan. So I don't know what what's his problem, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Do you? I I think on a second viewing of it, I think he was upset that he was getting that Pope got a match with him. Because he felt like Pope didn't earn the match, um, but who the hell else is going to challenge him? There's nobody left at this point. I mean, is, is Tim <sighs> Storm going to come in there and challenge him for it? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it, it really didn't make any any possible sense. And who was Zicky Dice to complain about who he's wrestling? It just it was just sort yeah. of a week. Uh, he did mention something about his contract being up at the end of the year, and he's held that title, the TV title, for. 230 days so uh but i mean what really has he been holding for 230 days i mean he hasn't had to wrestle anybody it's just like that national title we talked about last time yeah i mean done anything so it doesn't even anyway uh zicky gives the pope a drubbing for the duration of this six minute and five second timed match uh, it's the headline bout, and it's the shortest one we've seen so far. So think about it. We've seen Christy Janes and, and Alizé go for twice as long as these two guys went in this headlining bout here. Pope finally hulks up, stages a comeback, takes a low <laughs> blow from behind, still manages to win using a knee strike combo called the Elijah Express. Knee to the back of the head or something, right? Yeah. And then he went. He of course wins the uh, NWA TV title, and uh, that's so that's two straight weeks or two two title defenses we've seen that have resulted in a change of hands on the title now uh, consecutively on the UWN. So 
Again, UWN doing more for the NWA than the NWA is doing for itself, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of don't understand why they're changing titles right now. I, I don't know if that's signaling that Stevens and Zicky Dice are on the way out and they're just trying to move the belts around or something to give us, I guess. Something to talk about. Stands. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and that sort of leads into next week or this week coming up here, I guess, uh, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa, who just wrestled on AEW a few weeks ago, they're going to have this so-called grudge match or rematch here. Do you think we're going to see a title change there at all? No, I think we're going to see a carbon copy of their match on AEW. I mean, I, yeah, it was a good match, so it'll be fun to watch them and see if they can sort of match what they did on AEW. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't see I agree. Thunder Rosa is not going to lose her title to her. I mean, they could make things interesting and, you know, Alice and Kay could come in and, you know, Pearl Harbor, Thunder Rosa and, and Deeb could win it and then show back up on yeah. AEW. I mean, it could be very, very interesting. Or Camille, Camille for that matter, maybe Camille. Yeah, we haven't seen Camille in a while since the first uh-uh. episode of this stuff. There's a lot of interesting things they could do, but will they do it? Eh, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, but if they do, you know, good for them, I guess. But uh, true, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to come down too hard on UWN because it's really not our promotion to talk about. It's uh, no, it's you know, championship wrestling from Hollywood and Arizona and Memphis, and uh, UWN sort of their umbrella. So I mean, kudos to uh, to Dave Marquez for putting that together. Um, and for giving the NWA people a, a shot there, because otherwise we'd still be sitting here, you know, looking at Billy Corgan's town hall meetings on Patreon and, and uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And yeah. Speculating on Facebook. If nothing else, it gives us sort of an old school feel of how maybe a little bit of how the territories used to be when the, the NWA champions used to go into, you know, Dallas and Mid-South and all that. Yeah. Mid-Atlantic and uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Mid-South, yeah. I, I think there's something good there. I, you know, there's a lot, and obviously, it all can't be top-tier stuff. I think they do have some top-tier material here. Like you know, we mentioned that uh, match with Mike Bennett was was very good, um, and there have right. been a couple that have been pretty good. You know, matches. I think. I, I don't. I don't know. It's. I feel like we're almost outsiders looking in on this stuff in some ways. Uh, because it's, I mean, it's all out in California, and here we are on the, the East Coast. But, you know, wrestling is wrestling, I suppose. But let's be honest. This stuff is still better than most of the the big two companies, you know? I mean, it's it's not nearly... It's clearly better than AEW, yeah. It, it's not. It doesn't isn't loaded down with seriousness, with silliness, and, and you know, this trying to see who can get the biggest laugh and that sort of thing. It's just not that. So no, it's, you know, they have a little bit of that cosplay stuff going on, but for the most part, it does feel old, you know, like something from the eighties in a way. All right, folks, thanks for joining us again on the back into the fire podcast. Uh, We will be back at you next time uh, reviewing UWN. Episode number seven, looking forward to the uh, Thunder Rosa-Serena Deeb match. And uh, I guess the beginning of this UWN tournament may 
provide us with something to talk about. Who knows? And uh, hopefully we have some more news about NWA starting back up. But uh, keep our fingers crossed. And until next time, uh, take care. Talk to you later. Back into the Fire is produced by Joe Till and me, Andy Hayworth. If you enjoyed the show, give us a nice review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back Into the Fire, or email us at backintothefirepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Back into the Fire.